Good afternoon, Desperation. So glad to be here with you all. Um, as I get started here, I really have a couple of things that I'm really excited about. Um, I hold in my hand a couple of invitations, actually. And um, this one right here, uh, it, it's one of those, those pieces of mail that kind of catches your attention right away. And the reason is because of where it came from. It says here, right in the corner, from Department of State, United States Government, Washington, D.C. I don't know about you, but I don't usually get mail from the United States Government. Um, at least I try not to. And, and so when you get something from the government, but, but not from the IRS or something like that, but from the Department of State, it took my... my, my my breath away, actually, think, what's this? It says, to Reverend Aaron Stern. And I'm like, Reverend, uh, I don't know who that is, but, but that is my name. So I open it up and um, tear it open. And there's multiple, multiple envelopes in here. And, um, and so this one, Reverend and Mrs. Aaron Stern. And, you know, there's envelopes upon envelopes. It's kind of like a wedding invitation where you, an envelope is a, Inside of an envelope. I never quite understood why they do that, but then you get inside there and there's like little filtery pieces of paper that, you know, it's like Kleenex. And so that was in there. And then, so I, I tear this open and, and you can tell uh, there's just the paper. It's like, it looks like it's like a buck a piece, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's heavy, it's weighty, it's, you can just tell like, and I gotta, I better save this for something cash this in if I'm ever really in need. And it says this. <clears throat> the Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and U2's Bono request the honor of Reverend and Mrs. Aaron Stern's presence at a forum for the international development and mobilization of young adult leaders. Okay, now, I, I don't care what your, your political stand is, or your, your political affiliation, how you voted, who you voted for, who you didn't vote for. Once you, if you get something like this in the mail, that goes out the window because you just got, I, I just got an invitation from somebody really, really important. And I, I personally really like you too, and Bono is like one of my, he's like really cool in my mind and um, doing some really great things around the world. And so then I'm like, this can't be me. This has to be addressed to the wrong person. So, of course, I, I read on, your attendance is requested at 8 a.m. on Thursday, September 17th, 2009, through 2 p.m. on Friday, September 18th, 2009, at the Roosevelt Room at the White House in Washington, D.C., now, I'm thinking, what, what's the, you know, like there's something on here and, um, wow, now I, I, I'm a, I'm a college and 20 somethings pastor here at, at New Life Church and, and, uh, I lead a group. Uh, we, we have a service on Friday nights that we have about a thousand or more college and twenty somethings that 
come together to worship and study the scriptures together. It's really a powerful thing, and and it's really amazing. And, and some people have told me that it's one of the biggest groups like it around the country. So I'm thinking, okay, but but I'm, I mean, how in the world do they find me? I mean, I'm not. That's not. That's cool and all, but it's not that big of a deal. And you know, so so. But there's more paper in here, so I'm thinking, okay, we got this and. And okay, so it says details and schedule of events, and it gives them lodging, a very a five star hotel that they would have us stay at, and then there's a breakfast and introduction. There's a forum uh, in the morning defining today's young adult leader, to empowering the next, the world's next influential leaders. There's a tour, a personal tour of the capital. Another forum, world affairs, and today's young adult. Then there's a little break, and it says at 5 p.m. there's a personal tour of the White House with a senior White House staff. And then at 7, a dinner and discussion on collegiate education in America, hosted by First Lady Michelle Obama and Mrs. Jill Biden, wife of Vice President Joe Biden. Okay, so I'm thinking, wow, I mean, it's okay, so all right, so maybe a million people got this or something like that, and this is, you know, like it's going to be held in a football stadium or something. Then the next day, uh, September 18th, it says uh, there's a forum on media influences and global affairs. Then there's a closed forum discussion on faith and humanitarianism among young adults with President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama by invitation only. And then it closes at noon, and it's hosted by U2's Bono, and he's talking about the AIDS epidemic around the world. And then there's this big uh, this RSVP card. Pleasure of your replies requested to honor before Tuesday, August 18th. Name, telephone number, all this stuff, and thinking, okay, so what is all this other stuff? Okay, so then, so then I've got this. So I open this one, as you can, I rip this open, and again, very, very nice paper. Thinking I should keep this for something. Reverend, dear Reverend and Mrs. Stern, on behalf of the President of the United States of America and the Honorable Secretary Secretary of State. Hillary Clinton, it is a privilege. I mean, I'm, this is about how I'm reading in my mind because I'm so nervous. I'm thinking, this cannot be real. What is going It is a privilege to invite you to join us for a two day forum on the international development and mobilization of young adult leaders. Hosted by Mrs. Hillary Clinton and the lead singer of U2 and world renowned AIDS advocate Bono, this forum will address the importance of empowering young adults in leadership around the world with regard to a host of issues AIDS, world hunger, poverty, human sex trafficking, global economics, etc. I'm thinking, I am, why in the world? I am not that smart. I'm dumb. So, this is, I don't, I, guests include, and there's a list of some people that are going to be there. Seven-time Tour de France winner Lance Armstrong, potentially eight, I suppose, right now. Coldplay's Chris Martin and actress Gwyneth Paltrow. Mr. Brad Pitt. (laughs) Miss Angelina Jolie. (laughs) So I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be... One heck of a time. Former Vice President Al Gore, Malcolm Gladwell, author of Blink and the Tipping Point, Miss Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Reverend Rick Warren, talk show host Oprah, Secretary Arnie Duncan of the Department of Education, Prince William of England. 
And, and then there's a name that I, I can't totally pronounce, but it's a person that's the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights. It is our hope that this event will unite leaders from across the nation for the express purpose of facilitating and inspiring young adult participation in global concerns. All right, then there's one more invitation or a card or something. And it says, The President of the United States of America requests the honor of Reverend Aaron Stern's presence at a closed forum discussion on faith and humanitarianism among young adults on Friday, September 18th at 10.30 a.m. in the Oval Office of the White House. So on that like schedule, there was an invitation-only little thing in the Oval Office, which I know is not that big, so can't be for that many people all at once. So I'm thinking, okay, this... This can't... Okay, i got to go back to... Did they put the right name on here? Certainly they have the wrong address. This went to the wrong person. There are other Aaron Stearns in the world. I do know that. I've Googled. Um, <laughs> there has to be a problem. Okay, so then I'm thinking, okay, what, what's the date here? What's the date? Uh, September 17th. Okay, so I'm thinking September 17th. I should probably get there on the 16th, maybe even the 15th. I mean, just in case there's some problems, if there's a flight delay or a flight cancellation, I want to have a full day worth of time, and, and I want to get there so I can get some good night's rest and all that. So I'm thinking, all right, well, I better check my calendar. So this is my calendar, and I go to September. And um, September, September... And, uh, of course, so it's saying the 17th and 18th. So I go to the 17th, and I have a haircut. <laughs> I think, well, I can't go. <laughs> I mean, I can't go. I mean, it takes me a while to get in to see... The person who cuts my hair, and and I don't want to get my system off, you know, every four to five weeks. And if I if I mess that up, then then we're going to have some hair problems. And so, I mean, what? Obviously, I'm going to be about ready to have a haircut. So if I can't get in to get a haircut right before then, then I'm going to go and see the president with shaggy hair, and I can't do that. So 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 I'm not going to go. Now, I'm, I, I have to admit to you that this is not real. <laughs> Somebody in my office put this on my desk. <laughs> now, I have another invitation. This one is real. And it says... The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. This one's real. This one's a bigger deal than the other one I read. But you know what we do? I know what I've done before. I can't do it. I got a haircut. I can't do that. I've got to hang out with my friends. 
can't do that. I've got to sleep in. I can't do that. I've got to watch TV. I can't do that. I've got to beat my score at Guitar Hero. I can't do it. This invitation right here is real. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. That's the invitation to all of us. The invitation that says, come, be with me. And what I'm going to talk about here and what I just read right there is, is true. And if it is true, then it is the most amazing thing that you and I will ever hear. It's the most amazing thing that you and I will ever hear. It is the biggest statement that we could ever say, we could ever hear, we could ever know about. It's an invitation from the God of the universe, not the President of the United States. It's, a pre- it's an invitation not from somebody who's really important, not from one of the biggest rock stars in the world. It's an invitation from the God of the universe that says, Come. It's an invitation from God, the creator of you and me, the creator who knows the number of hairs on our heads and knows the number of hairs that get cut when we get a haircut. The God who says, Come. That's the invitation, and it's waiting for, it's given to you, just in the same way that that comes in our mail, that comes to our hearts, every day come. The Spirit and the Bride, Jesus Christ says, come. And it says, in John chapter 17, verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they may know you. God, this is Jesus speaking, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, not to just have a little ticket to heaven. It's to know Jesus. It's to know God intimately, to have a relationship with him. And so you think, okay, well, I know about God. I know that he wrote a book called the Bible, and he created the earth in seven days, so he's a creator. And I know that God sent his son. His son is named Jesus. Was sent down to the earth and born in a manger. I've seen the Christmas show every year at our church. And so I've seen the little baby that they they have. That's Jesus born in a manger with cows around. And, And then he comes and grows and learns how to saw things and be a carpenter. And and then he he grows up and he gets these guys to start following him, these unlikely people, fishermen and tax collectors. And he gets this group of 12 guys to hang out with him on a regular basis. And they're his disciples. And I know about Jesus, so I know about that. And there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those talk about Jesus. And and then Jesus dies on a cross and he raises, right, rises from the dead in three days. And at the end of the three days, he's around for a little while. He's like walking through walls and things like that. And then he leaves, he ascends up into heaven And he leaves his Holy Spirit. And then we have the rest of the New Testament. So I know that God did that for us. And that's only because of his grace. I know that God is a God of grace. And I also know that God is a God of justice. I also know that God is powerful. He's all powerful. I learned this big word one time in Sunday school. It's omniscient, which means he's all powerful. And he's also omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all the time. He is amazing. So I do know that about him. I, you know, I know there's a lot of people that love him. And then he kind of gathers his people together in what he calls the church. And then there are local expressions of the church in local churches. 
So I know a lot. I know about God that I know God. One of my favorite drinks in the whole world. It's Mountain Dew. Now, I love Mountain Dew. I, I think that Mount, I call Mount, I, Mountain Dew is the nectar of heaven. On a hot day, you know, you're outside maybe mowing the lawn or playing soccer, doing something where you, you're, you're, you're sweating and exerting a lot of energy. There is nothing like a Mountain Dew. I, it just is so wonderfully satisfying. Now, some of you might have heard your parents say, oh, it's not, not good for you. You know, the Mountain Dew is so full of bad things. Let me, let me help you out here a little bit. The ingredients of Mountain Dew will inform you that Mountain Dew is actually quite good for you. Mountain Dew, if you look at ingredients, now I'm sure that you know this, but just in case you don't, the list of ingredients on any type of food or drink are listed, and they are listed in an order, and they, the, the first thing on that particular list is what is in there the most. And what is, on the, what is second on the list is what is in there second most, and so on. So, number one, carbonated water. Number two, high fructose corn syrup. Number three, concentrated orange juice. I mean, how, how wonderful is that? Water, vegetables, and fruit. <laughs> corn syrup, corn, you know, corn. So the way I look at it is when I drink Mountain Dew, I'm building my immune system. I'm getting healthier. And so the more I drink it, the stronger, healthier, more refreshed I will be. And so Mountain Dew is fabulous. Now, Mountain Dew has 170 calories at least in one particular can. No fat. 65 milligrams of sodium, which is about 3% of your daily needed intake. 46 grams of carbohydrates, which is 15%, 46 grams of sugar, and zero protein. This particular can was uh, canned in New York. And on the back of this particular can, it has a water rule, which is a water park in Denver, about an hour to an hour and a half from here. It's called Water World, and you can save $8 if you go between May 24th and June 30th, so that's up. But if you use it now between July 1st and September 7th, you get six bucks off. And it says, bring can to the coupon center. So you can drink the nectar of heaven right out of this can. And then you can bring the can to Waterworld and save $6. I mean, how amazing is that? They've recently changed the can, uh, the outside of the can on Mountain Dew. And uh, it kind of looks like spikes or something. It's not really my favorite. I, I prefer the older ones, but nonetheless, the inside is still the same. So I love that. Um, just to give you a little history of Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew was actually started to be made in the 40s in Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, by, these two, by these guys named Billy and Charlie. So Billy and Charlie made up this concoction of Mountain Dew. And uh, it wasn't the exact same thing we have today, but it was the beginnings of Mountain Dew. And... Um, and then in 1962, so about 20 years or so, uh, Mountain Dew was sold to Pepsi. Pepsi owns Mountain Dew, and they purchased Mountain Dew from Billy and Charlie in 1962. And then, in 1973, uh, the year that I was born, they came up with the first slogan for Mountain Dew, and it was, put a little Yahoo in your life. Mountain Dew. 
Mountain Dew, put a little Yahoo in your life. All right, so, you know, just like do the do and all that kind of thing, put a little Yahoo in your life. So, not sure why that one didn't stick around, but nonetheless, in 2009, this year, earlier this year, they came out with Mountain Dew Throwback, which was Mountain Dew with natural sugar. So they took the corn syrup out, they took the vegetables out and put in natural sugar. So the way I look at it is that Mountain Dew Organic, Mountain Dew Throwback was like the organic version of Mountain Dew because it was natural. Okay, so so we got all this, I mean Mountain Dew, it's just wonderful. If you go to mountaindew.com, you can find out about their history. You can read up on more details of their history. You can play games. You can actually gain points and buy Mountain Dew stuff. Um, there are They show you all the other different kinds of Mountain Dew. The Diet Mountain Dew, the uh, Code Red, Live Wire, all these types of things. Now I can tell you, I can keep going. I could keep going and talking to you about Mountain Dew because I love Mountain Dew. I mean, I know Mountain Dew, but Billy and Charlie, I doubt that Billy and Charlie had had it in mind that all we would know is no information about Mountain Dew. See, I think this is more of what they had in mind. Don't just know about it but actually know it. It says in Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, the invitation is not to just know about God. The invitation is to know Him. It's to experience Him in His fullness. It's not just to know about all the details and the information about God that you you can rack up and know, but it's about experiencing the God of the universe. As this conference comes to a close this evening, the big question is, what about tomorrow? The big question is, what about next week? What about next month? What about six months from now? And my hope and my prayer is that you don't walk away from here, drive away from here, fly away from here, thinking, okay, what are the three things I need to know to light up the world? What are the, what's the five ways that I've learned to keep my hands off my girlfriend? What are the, what are the 14 ways to make sure that I stay strong? What God is calling you to, what he's inviting you to tomorrow and the next day and the next day is say, know me, walk with me, be with me, spend time with me, have a relationship with the God of the universe. You may never get an invitation from the president, but that's okay because knowing me is a hundred times better. God is saying, I want you to walk with me. It's an invitation not just to sign on the dotted line. It's an invitation not just to get some sort of, okay, Christian ID card and I'm going to save that, bring that when I get to heaven. It's not that I just believe the right thing and know a bunch of things about God. It's that God is saying, I want intimacy. I want fellowship with you. I want to walk with you. I want to walk with you on Monday. I want to walk with you on Tuesday. I want to walk with you on Wednesday. I want to walk with you in Walmart. I want to walk with you in Starbucks. 
I want to walk with you in the mountains. I want to walk with you on the beach. I want to walk with you down the halls of your school. I want to walk with you through life. I want to walk with you, with you through death. I want you to walk with me through tough times. I want you to walk with me through good relationships. And I want you to walk with me through bad relationships. I want, to walk, I want you to walk with me when, I have, when you have lots of money. And I want you to walk with me when you have no money. I want you to walk with me when you're on a spiritual high. And I want you to walk with me when you don't feel me at all. I want you to walk with me. There's a story about a guy in Genesis chapter 5. His name is Enoch. And Enoch is actually listed in, the, in a list of genealogies talking about all these different guys. And, and Enoch is listed in chapter 5 verse 24. And it says that Enoch walked with God. And right before that he's talking about all these other guys. And say like, and so and so lived 324 years. Or this guy lived so many years on the earth. But it says that Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. See, it's Enoch walking with God day in and day out. Day in and day out. Knowing God. Walking with God. Walking with God. And why I think, I, you think, I don't know, how in the world did that happen with Enoch? Maybe he was just out on a walk with God. He's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go home. And God says, I think you're actually closer to my house than you are yours. So why don't you just come with me? Maybe we could... Have a little more, a few more quiet times like Enoch. <laughs> I think it would be pretty amazing if we were to find out that there would be some people that aren't here at desperation next year because they just walked with God and were no more. God is saying, come away with me. Come walk with me. Walk with me. Come sit with me. I'm inviting you. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. What are you supposed to do tomorrow? Come. What are you supposed to do next week? Come. What are you going to do next month? Come. What are you going to do in six months? Come. Walk with Jesus. Do you know God? Or do you just know about Him? It says in Philippians chapter 3, this is Paul speaking. Paul has been planting churches, doing amazing things for the kingdom. Doing things all over the world. And this is what he says in, as he talks to the Philippians church, Philippian church in chapter 3 verse 7. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Everything that I have, everything I've gained, I consider it trash because I am knowing Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Becoming like him in his death. Of all the things that I have on this earth, of all the things that I've done, that's the one thing that I cherish the most, Paul says. In Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 23, says, This is what the Lord says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts, boast about this. 
you're going to boast about something, boast about this. That he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. So we have all these questions. What am I going to do with my life? Who am I going to marry? Am I going to make enough money? Where am I going to go to college? What am I going to do tomorrow? How am I going to get out of this mess? What about my parents? Those are big questions. But let me tell you something. You can say, those are important questions, but I can tell you something that's more valuable than to me than the answers to those questions. I know God. He's my friend. I get to sit with the God of the universe. I don't know who I'm going to give my affections to in marriage, but I know that my affections and my heart belong to God. I'm not as concerned about those things anymore. Sure, I want to be wise and I want to make good decisions, but you know what? I I don't care as much about that because I got an invitation from God that says, Come. I got an invitation from God that says, Come. I got an invitation from God. It says, come and be with me. You say, oh, I like it. I like it, Aaron. I've heard, but I've heard this before. I've heard this. uh, David Perkins uh, says it all the time. Spend time with Jesus. How do I do that, Aaron? That's the big question, isn't it, really? I'll give you just a couple, two couple of ideas as we, as we talk about this invitation. Number one. Humble people know God. Let me read a passage of scripture to you out of Numbers. Numbers chapter 12. Verse, well, starting in verse 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. Okay, so Moses is, is the leader of the children of Israel. And Miriam and Aaron. Aaron is his advisor. Miriam is helping. And she, because of his... Uh, see, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. For he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. So Aaron and Miriam are complaining. Why why, why does God speak only through Moses? They want to speak through us too. So they're getting upset. Now verse 3 says, Now Moses was a very humble man and more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, Come up to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them came out, and the Lord came down on a pillar of cloud. So God hears about Aaron and Miriam complaining that Moses is the one that is hearing from God, knowing God, experiencing God, and communicating for God. Then the Lord came down on a pillar of cloud, and they stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. So he hears they're complaining and wants to talk to them. And he says, when a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face. Clearly, not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Moses. I talk to him face to face. I use prophets, but I I speak to them through riddles and through different things. But I speak to Moses like he's my friend because he knows me and I know him. The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. Why did Moses get to talk to and experience God face to face? Why did Moses get to be the one that heard God so clearly? 
because he was humble. See, it says that Moses was humble and Moses was the one that talked to God. Miriam and Aaron weren't humble. They were, they were thinking, we've got this. We, we are good enough to do this. We can do this. And you say, well, I won't ever be that great. I'm not. I mean, you're talking about Moses. I'm no Moses. I can't do that. And we get so focused on ourselves. I love about, what I love about this passage of scripture is that the greatest reward for humility is not greatness, but intimacy with God. The greatest reward for humility, thinking this is about God and what he is doing and where he is going and what he is about. The greatest reward for that is not greatness, but intimacy. Somebody who says, all right, God, this is what I want you to do. And you come with your ideas and your agenda to God is going to say, I don't know if I... The person who says, God, your ways. I center and focus my heart and my affections on you and what you're doing and where you're going. All of a sudden, there's a clarity in hearing the voice of God. How many of you would believe and think that if I could hear God, I think I would experience him, I would know him. If I heard God with clarity, I think I would have a better chance of knowing him. Humble people know God. You might say, well, all right, well, I'll just, you know, yeah, I'm not worth very much. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm nothing really. I'm a mess. I'm a disaster. I'm, 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 a, I'm garbage. I'm, humility is not self-pity. If we say those types of things, what we're actually doing is talking against the Creator. It's not about putting ourselves down. It's about focusing our mind, not on ourselves, but on God and others. If you think about it here, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, where he says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Who wrote that? Moses did. Moses is the most humble guy, and he wrote that he was the most humble guy. Acknowledging who he was was not about pride. It was saying, I'm just God's humble servant. And as a result, he saw God face to face. God spoke to him clearly. Humble people know God. If you're in a place where you feel like, I don't know God, and I spend time with God, I can never hear him, I don't know, I don't experience him, I don't taste and see that the Lord is good... Maybe you need to start by repenting. Maybe repentance is the first step for you to knowing God. Repenting for your pride. Repenting for saying, I know what's up. I know what's going on. I got this this whole thing nailed down. Maybe your first step is to your knees and confessing the sin of pride. Confessing, I've been prideful. I've been self-righteous. I thought like Aaron, Aaron and Miriam... I felt like, why, 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 do you, why do you talk to them and not me? And I mean, I'm, I'm fine. And, and God is saying, well, because they're humble and they're, and you're not. Humble yourself before God. Humble people know God. Number two, consistent people. No, God. 
You ever, you ever get that phone call where uh, somebody calls you up and, uh, and it rings and you answer and they're like, hey, and you're like, hey, how's it going? And you're thinking, I have no idea who this is. But you don't want, you're thinking though, because of the way that they're talking to you, you're thinking, I should know who this is. I mean, they act like we're friends, so how's it going? They're like, great. And you're like, nothing's spring, nothing's, nothing's happening here. And you're like, that's awesome, dude. What'd you do last night? Thinking, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe where they were will click something about who this person is. Doesn't. And, uh, you know, before you, you either have to wait for a long time before you figure out who it is, or at some point you have to be kind of embarrass yourself a little bit and say, who is this? (laughs) Or somebody who you talk to every day calls you up and says, hey, what's up? And you know exactly who it is. Do you know why? Because you've heard their voice consistently, day after day, day after day, day after day. When they call you, they don't have to say, hey, this is Joe. Hey, this is David. Hey, this is Aaron. And you don't have to be like, awesome, dude. What's been going on? Sweet. And... um, School? How's school? And they're like, I'm not in school. You're like, oh. And sometimes you might go through a whole conversation and you never know who it was. Maybe you're like, I don't have the goal. I've been on the phone for five minutes now with this person and I, have, I don't even know who it is. And I'm not going to be, I just can't, I don't have the courage to say, who is this? And so I'm just going to be like, hey, I got to go. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. And you're like, no clue who that was. How do you know whose voice is on the other end of the line? If you've been with them on a regular basis. You've heard their voice a million times. How do you know God? You're with him consistently. Consistently. And so when he says, Hey, I want to talk to you. You're not like, Awesome, dude. Um, where'd you go to school? God, Jesus. Jesus. We too often want a magic formula. Too often want... We live in an instant culture, instant coffee, instant everything. Go to the internet and buy just about anything you want. It can be to your doorstep within a day or two. You know that for optimal health, experts recommend that humans, and you've heard this before, that humans drink between 8 to 10 servings of about 8 ounces of water per day. Okay, so this right here is uh, 16.9 fluid ounces, so this would count as two. Okay, so two of these, so about half done, so I've got one down. 
So that adds up to about two liters or so a day. You know, a two-liter bottle of water a day is, is about what doctors are saying or researchers, scientists would say is healthy for you to maintain proper hydration, assuming you're not, you know, running a marathon or doing a strenuous exercise, things like that, and then, of course, you would need more. But, you know, sometimes I thought, well, why don't I just on the first day of every month drink 30 gallons of water? <laughs> and then I won't have to drink any more water until the first of the next month. I wonder if we're like that sometimes. Desperation is our 30-gallon-of-water weekend. But God's saying, yeah, 30 gallons, it's fun to jump into the pool every now and then. But really what I want you to have is just a little, I want you to have some, a drink every day. Just be consistent. I love Mountain Dew, but I also love Starbucks. And uh, so I go to Starbucks just about every day. And I do work there. I don't just walk in and walk out. I actually sit down and, and work and do some emails sometimes and all that kind of stuff. But you know what I also do there? It's me and God. And it's in my, my appointment, my calendar here. You know the one that said I had a haircut on the day that the president invited me to come? In the beginning, I, I never schedule appointments in the morning because I got time with God every day. It's just a little time. Sometimes, you know what? It's like 10 minutes. Other days, it's like an hour and a half. It doesn't matter. I just sit with God. I'm just, we just sit together and we, we drink coffee together. I, I order him a latte and I have a, an espresso. It's really wonderful. He doesn't usually drink it, so I drink his. And then... <clears throat> But you know what? It's just a little bit every day. A little bit every day. 30 gallons of water in one day would actually kill you. Or you go to the bathroom a lot. <laughs> God is saying for optimal health, for optimal spiritual health, don't just respond to this invitation once a month or once a year or every Wednesday night. Or every Sunday morning, respond to this every day. Come and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty. See, because if you drank 30 gallons of water on the first of the month, you know what? On the 15th, you'd be thirsty. Let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Step by step, little by little. One Starbucks morning after another Starbucks morning. One little extra 10 minutes early to school, 30 minutes early to school. Little walk after work. Every day, every afternoon, every Saturday. One little bit at a time. Come. The Spirit of God, Holy Spirit and Jesus says come. It says in Isaiah chapter 55, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. 
All you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, on what is not the real thing, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. There's a God-sized creator. See, this, this invitation to come is, is it's calling out to the eternity in our hearts that's saying, you have a need inside of you, a hole inside of you that only I can feel, fill. And some of you are trying to stuff the whole world into that crater. You're trying, you're trying to stuff everything but this into that hole. God is saying, stop. Put those things aside. Facebook won't fill it. Your friends won't fill it. A girlfriend won't fill it. A boyfriend won't fill it. A lot of money won't fill it. Only I can fill it. So God, calling out to you for today, for tomorrow, for next week, for next month, for a year from now, for 10 years from now, the invitation is the same, and it's come. The Spirit and the Bride says, come. Let's stand up. Let's pray together. If you would, let's just close our eyes. And I believe that there's some of you in here who are in just lots of different places. For some of you, you've caught this. And you say, I know Jesus. When he calls me, I, don't, I know his voice. There's others of you who are in here and say, I haven't heard his voice at all. And you, you need to start with repentance. Just repenting for pride or unforgiveness and the things that so easily clog our hearts from knowing God in a powerful way. Some of you know about God. You could quote loads of verses and you could quote scriptures and quote information and data and all these things about God. But you say, I don't know that I've ever tasted and seen. And I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm talking about a knowing. About an intimacy. About, about how you know your best friend. How you know their voice, how you know what it's like to be with them. You, you laugh with them, you know their laugh. You know, you know what it's like and how, how it is to experience something with them. And you, you think, man, if I have this opportunity to do this very exciting thing, this is the person I want to be with me. Why? Because, because you know them and you know what it's going to be like with them, not just because you know about them. Not because somehow it gives you a good feeling, but because you know them. And God is saying, I want to walk with you. The call is to you, every one of us. I want to know you. I want you to walk with me. Life might be really tough right now, but I just want you to walk with me. Life might be really great right now, but I want you to walk with me. Respond to my invitation that says, come. I don't think it's an accident that that invitation, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, is one of the last few verses in the Bible. That as we read the Bible, the ultimate invitation says, come doesn't say, reread it and gain more information. It says, come. What are you going to do tomorrow? You're going to come. And what are you going to do the day after that? You're going to come. What are you going to do the week after that? You're going to come. You're going to, more and more. And before you know it, you're going to be like, I don't need the invitation. I'm coming. 
I know the invitation is always open. I don't have to wait for him to call me. I just come. And we say, I would never say I have a haircut and not go visit the president. I pray that we don't say those things to the much more important person. about you, God, but to know you. God, I pray for soft hearts. Sensitive hearts to you. As you're calling come. As we hear come, would we not say tomorrow or after I finish this, but May the distractions of this world that help that keep us from not being consistent, may they be pushed to the side so that we can come. So that we can be humble and consistent. No magic formula, no five, fifteen steps to intimacy with God, just humility and consistency. Just every day saying, God, here I am. My focus is on you. I need you. May we respond to the invitation.